the bugs attack from planet K. It's a bug hunt with the Starship Troopers. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Click to learn more. (laughs) Would you like to know more? Yeah, would you like to know more? That's it. (laughs) Oh, man. Really? Man. All right. Well, I guess I almost jumped into it a little too quick. But welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast, the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airways, where two friends try to stay alive and stay connected by chatting about weekly monster movies. This week... I'm joined by uh, Super Friend <laughs> uh, and the Lava Bug itself, David. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Again. It's, yeah, I was like, it's actually been a little bit. When's the last time you recorded something? Oh, God, that's a good question. Was, was it when you ended Belial? Maybe. It may have been right around there. Yeah. So it's been at least like a year and a half or so. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining me to discuss yeah. the uh, Starship Troopers, a movie that you brought to my attention. I mean, I knew about it, and I, mm-hmm. but uh, not a movie I thought about in quite some time, except for the occasional Twitter post I see where someone references, and of course the 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 famous GIF. Uh, I'm doing my part. Yeah. <laughs> Uh man, I I am so glad you brought this movie to my attention. <laughs> yeah, it's uh I we and obviously we can talk about it a little bit, but when you asked what movie you wanted to go over, like I had just discovered this for the first time. Or I guess watched it for the first time. Right when you asked, I was like, it just seemed like a no-brainer. Mm, yeah. And I, I honestly, as I'm watching it, I'm like, I can't believe we haven't covered this one already. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the podcast and <clears throat> i kind of wish eric had seen this one because i guarantee he hasn't seen it yeah and before I we know, started the podcast movie right I, I think there's elements here that he would really appreciate like the practical effects and stuff yep but um before we started the podcast you asked me uh uh you said that i had seen it before and the answer is yes and no mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had seen the entire movie, but I had seen it all on like TBS or uh, TNT yeah. mm-hmm. uh, way back in the day, early 2000s probably is when I saw it. Um, so it was pretty heavily censored, as you would imagine. Yeah. Like the, the gore yeah. and stuff was not something I remembered. The only thing gory that I really remembered was when they when the brain bug sucks out the brain. Right, that's like a key scene that I really remembered uh, from when I watched it originally. Everything else, um, I didn't maybe quite remember as much, except for maybe the death of Dizzy. But I didn't realize who it was or anything like that when I was watching it. And then once it happened, I was like, you know what? I do kind of remember that. So mm. it was interesting to go through because I don't remember all the training. 
I mean, this was pretty much a new movie for me, except for just bits and pieces. Yeah. Yeah, and see, that's kind of how I felt. I never did watch it, but I remember when my dad was still in the military, he had a TDY, which is when you go to, excuse me, a different base and you get stationed there for a while. And he was up in Thule, Greenland. And being Mormon, which is funny because of the context of this movie in the beginning, uh, you know, you're not supposed to watch radar movies. And Ooh. he told me <laughs> that he watched this up there. And I, if I remember right, I think he watched this in the same week. Like he broke his leg or something like that. He made a joke about how like God was punishing him for watching this. Um, <laughs> but that was really like the only context I had was like my dad watching it years and years ago. <laughs> Uh, it just never seemed like a movie I wanted to watch. And then for mm. some reason it came up and I'm like, okay, I want to watch this. A couple weeks ago, you asked me, you know, and I told you this. And then a week and a half ago happened. I'm like, oh yeah, this is timely. Mm. This is really timely. <laughs> right. And that's, uh, that's really something that I kept thinking about. This was one of those movies uh, back in the day when it came out. This is the one where all the edgy kids, all the ones that like, and I don't mean this. I mean, I guess I do. But mm-hmm. <laughs> all the kids whose parents just didn't care, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't care what they watched. Like, I think at the time I was probably like, let's see, 97. Oh, uh, that probably put me at fourth grade, I would imagine. And then, like, you know, there's all these kids that had seen it and they're like, oh, it's awesome. And, you know, it's because there's so much blood and stuff. So, of course, they're going to love it. Um, and I just remember, like, all the edgy kids being like, oh, it's so good. And then, you know, you later you find out, oh, no, it's, like, a really critically panned movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's terrible, blah, blah, blah. And then you see the revisionism and people, not revisionism necessarily. It's just that people didn't actually understand the film, I think. But I think mm-hmm. I might be diving into things a little bit. Already, no. You let never me go. That. Let me go ahead and do the uh, the the introduction, and then I'll uh, I'll I'll, sit, I'll send it to you, and then next so we can get into all that. Um, directed by Paul Verhoeven, maybe uh, coming hot off of a series of classics and cult classics, including RoboCop, Total Recall, Showgirls, and Basic Instinct. He puts out. <laughs> <laughs> Verhoeven put out this box office bomb in 1997. Negative reviews and poor word of mouth killed the legs of this movie until it gained cult status in later years once audiences understood the satirical nature of the film. David, this leads me to ask, is this film a successful satire? And were the haters liars? Or did the film deserve all of its ire? So... I'm talking about being edgy. Uh, I think this is where it's easy to be like, oh, well, if I lived in the 1800s, I would never own slaves. It's like, dude, you have no idea, right? And mm-hmm. it's easy to be like, I'm a 34-year-old adult now who has a, uh, a degree in English and creative writing and analyzing film and you know books. So like, I get it now, but like, I don't know if it is successful satire because for it to be successful, Ooh. people would have had to understand it. And I don't think, I mean, Verhoeven, he didn't invent satire, right? So, yes, there is a certain degree of, like, the marketing sucked for this movie. Like, it pitched it as an action movie, and people went in, and they're like, what is this? It's not what they're expecting. 
But when you even have like Roger Ebert, who, you know, he's not in like an errant, but even he's like, yeah, it's satire, but it's not good. Mm. Right. So I, I think it's a good film, but I just don't know if it's a successful satire because I think it should have been like, if it really was successful, we wouldn't have to wait 30 years to understand what was attempted. Mm. I think, I think maybe what it was like the mid 2010s where people are really starting to get it. Um, that's mm-hmm. when I looked at like the critical reviews, that's when people really started reanalyzing it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, and I guess you really hit the nail on the head with my, a little bit of mixed feelings about, the, about the satire. I, I do. Th- I think it's, it's weird. So I do think it's a successful satire, but that being said, I don't know. Because when I think about satire, I correlate it with humor. And I don't know if I really laugh in this movie maybe more than once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, whereas something like American Psycho, I find hysterical. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it is successful satire. Does, does, I, I know. I, I struggled with that too, you know, like, and this is, this is a weird example, but like I was watching the hateful eight a few weeks ago and uh-huh. like the first half of that movie, like, I don't know if you'd necessarily label it as a satire, but it definitely is like a riff on spaghetti Westerns. Right. Mm-hmm. So like the first half of the movie, it's hilarious. Like some of, I think some of Quentin Tarantino's best work. And then it gets to the last half. I'm like, Oh my God, this is disturbing. And, <laughs> but I think it works in a satirical sense, because there is that humor there, right? Um, this time around, like, I... So the, the history of this movie is interesting because the novella it's based off of people label it as racist, xenophobic, all these things, when even the author, I think, um, isn't... I don't know. I, I don't think those criticisms are necessarily fair from what I've read. I do think the author had some, like, totalitarian leaning, but everyone does in politics these days. So, uh, but I think the, the issue here is like, I watch this movie and I can't necessarily tell what's trying to be satire and what's not. And that's Ooh. also my problem is like, there's times where it seems to glorify things. And like, that could be my lack of understanding. I'm going to acknowledge that, but I just, I don't know. I don't think it works as well as people make it out to. Like, I really, I really do think there's a lot of tonal inconsistencies. I think that just, yeah, the humor, if it was more elevated, it doesn't have to be campy, but like, it's just not quite there for it to work for me and as a whole. Mm. Yeah. There, there's a few elements. I think you're hitting on some other things, uh, that came to mind. So one of the things that I thought was quite funny, and it's also disturbing, was is when mm. they're handing the kids the guns and the ad. Dude, it, dude. It's pretty it, it's pretty funny just to see these kids with these guns that are just as big as they are, but it, you know, it's also got that disturbing nature because this is a society that's grooming their children to be soldiers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which but that's <laughs> what I'm saying is, you know, a week and a half ago, like, you know, there's it, it, there's no surprise. Well, there shouldn't be any surprise now when, you know, you get organizations like Hamas where like they have marketing for kids and they literally are handing guns to kids or parading 
kids around with guns while they're killing Israeli settlers and citizens. And they've been doing this for years. So, like, it's not that far-fetched. And that's what bothers me, too. Right? Like, Hmm. you know, sometimes satire is, like, it can be so outlandish. But maybe just watching it again, I'm like, oh, nope, it's not that far-fetched after all. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right, and and unfortunately, uh, child soldiers are Very an real. unfortunate reality, really, all around the world. And we see that with um, Tony. Rico, well, Rico's newest team. They are definitely mm-hmm. still kids. They're not as young as Rico was when he went in. Yeah. They're younger, mm-hmm. uh, which is oh, man, interesting. Yeah. But yeah. so maybe maybe we're on to something. Maybe this isn't as much of a satire as much as it is closer to a commentary. Mm-hmm. And I think if we label it as a commentary, I think the film, for me, I think it opens up a bit. Oh, for um, sure. And I think I think the subtle elements here reveal themselves, and I think they actually elevate the film even more because I, I'm with you. I, I, I struggle with the satire element. I'm glad that this franchise found its legs after it bombed at the box office, mm-hmm. and it kind of continued to grow, even with a lot of projects that are just negatively reviewed. Yeah, I'm still glad. Like, this is a universe that deserves to be fleshed out, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that this has found some sort of cult success to where it's able to make, uh, let's see, five movies at this mm-hmm. point. Three live action, two animated. And I, I, I'm, after watching this, I'm interested in seeing more. Um, yeah. Even if they are worse, <laughs> <laughs> they tend to be. They tend to be in this. But w- David, you know, you said you 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 know your old podcast. You really broke down some of the, your Godzilla movies mm-hmm. and some of the other kaiju movies. And you said you have a background in like kind of analyzing film. What are some of the thematic elements here that you really appreciated? Yeah. So to, to be clear, like I, I would say more of my backgrounds in the, the writing, that's where I got the education, but oh, yeah, right, right, doing, right. doing Creative film writing. too. Yeah. So like, again, I, I love that you made that distinction between a satire and a commentary. And that's really kind of where I wanted to go. It's like, I don't think it's as much of a satire as reflecting on the kind of world that would lead into nine eleven war on terror, you know, because that's really like, where this was all stemming from right um you still had uh, the war in the middle east was still going on in various capacities so you know what what's interesting is like i i i don't again i don't really know the way verhoven's making his point which is also a nice thing you kind of land where you land but one of the things i struggle with like in today's society is we're very individualistic right And even Mm -hmm. though it's kind of critiquing it, like there is this element of like doing something for a greater good, doing something for something bigger than yourself. And even if Rico's parents don't understand that, like there is kind of this glimpse of like, yeah, they're not necessarily doing the right thing, you know, like maybe he didn't join up for the right reason. And you can argue against the military tactics, but like, there is something to be said about military service. And that's why I promise I'm really not trying to shoehorn Israel into everything. But like, you know, you looked at like the, uh, when, what do you call it? Not the enlistment, but like when people come back to, to fight when there's a draft, maybe there's enlistment, whatever, you know what they're like, mm. their return rate was like 150%, right? Because people realize like, this is something bigger than myself. This is part of my nation. And it's typically that way in any time of war, right? People can right. put aside their differences or like, you know what, 
there's a there's a problem we need to address. We're going to work together. And outside of times of where we we struggle with that, right? So right. to me, I'm like I can appreciate a film that tries to tackle that conversation of what it means to be a part of a larger community or having an actual shared identity that's not super fluid. Um, you know, outside of that, I, I do. There's a very small part when they get off of planet. Yeah. Off planet K and they're getting ready to, you know, get on with their new team. I think is where I was at where, no, it was right before that battle where there's a guy doing the the interview and he's like, well, some say this was because you know, we were invading and getting too far and this was just a retaliatory <laughs> and they cut him off. Right. But I'm like, yeah. you know, but that is something where, you know, I, I liked that small bit and that's that like light trying to shine through. And it's like, nope, we're just going to cut him down. Like we're just going to kill him. It's like, all right, well, we're just going to keep going. But mm. that, that part always sticks out to me. Every, like I've watched this movie several times now. Like that part always sticks out when I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that stuck out to me as well. This, the general theme of this manufactured, conformism Mm -hmm. um is prevalent throughout you know um rico's parents even express like hey you know like why is this school trying to recruit you you know why is this school doing the things that it's not supposed to do instead of teaching which is another interesting uh (laughs) commentary that seems more present today Uh um and then it we go from that to he's like no dad no he's just he's just telling me about the world right and then we see Rico throughout the film just imitate everybody else. Mm-hmm. He's he's a very capable guy, but at the end of the day, even though he is a leader at the end, uh, he's more of a follower. He builds his personality and everything, and his phrases from other people. Oh, exactly. Um, even his initial tactics are from Dizzy. Now he gains more once someone instructs him on how to do something. He takes it and runs with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that like Dizzy teaches him how to do it at the training camp, right? She tells him what to do, and then he gets to show off, and yep. and he takes the squad lead position. But then we also see him take the initiative with the big bug, where he jumps on its back and puts the grenade in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see him take all all of his leaders. He takes their sayings and applies it again, and he just imitates everything that's done before him. And I think that that's really cool. And, and, and this kind of, like you said, uh, this brief, this film really shows some of the extremism that comes with war as well. Right. Yeah. Like where things are being taken to the next level and this forever war is really being created. It feels like, um, because we don't know where it starts Mm-mm. and the film ends in a way that I don't like. Yeah. But because it's just, it just ends, but it's also because this is a war that doesn't end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's and like, where else would you end it? You know? Right. Exactly. It ends with a, uh, <laughs> what is it? A sequence of propaganda. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's a, it's a one-sided story that we get to see. And I think that that's a really interesting thing to say, you know, on top of everything else with the child soldiers, um, the, the way fascism and leaders look at 
using their militaries. Mm-hmm. They're just incredibly expendable. And all they have to do when something goes wrong is step down. That's that's their repercussion. Right. Uh, for getting hundreds of thousands of people killed. Oh, just stepping yeah. down. And then the next person comes up and says the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I to be fair, she was like, stuff. we just need to understand the bugs. <laughs> that, that was a little different. And that it almost, it, be- was. it almost became more evil. Right. Because then that's like the way that they were sending in the, the troops. It was more strategic and more like cunning. There is a sense of like subterfuge there where like they had no idea the whole point of them was just to find the brain bug. Right. And they were just like mm-hmm. fodder. And that, yeah, I, literally. I, I mean, he says he's willing to sacrifice the whole group. Mm-hmm. And what's even weirder is Rico's okay with it. Yeah. Right. That he buys into the, he buys into the mission so much that he's okay with being fodder. Mm-hmm. More meat for the grinder, yeah. as they say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and it's interesting, you know, too, like, the whole community thing. Just, I, I was thinking about this, like, <laughs> you're talking about the one-sided element, but you're right, like, because the bugs are very, there's no solid, like, the only bug that can think critically or, you know, on its own is the brain bug, right? But everything else, like, it mm-hmm. works together. But, again, it's like, that's almost portrayed as negative, Whereas, you know, obviously the humans are portrayed positive, but you're right. It's this one-sided thing of like, well, why is that necessarily? I don't know. It's just, yeah, the more I keep thinking about it, I'm like, I just want to watch it again with a nice glass of <laughs> glass of wine, you know? Well, and I, I don't know if the film states it, but as far as I could tell, the well, I guess the bugs can, I don't know if they could even jump planets or if they, they've never like, made an invasion on earth right no it was the asteroid right and they threw that but it's not like they rode on it and then invaded exactly so it's like what they do looks like defense yeah yeah instead of offense Mm -hmm. which is again really really interesting like you almost wonder like there's a there's something in the back of my mind that's like where did that asteroid really come from Uh, you know Mm, yeah, but there's there's a lot I think to like here, other than just the themes. Mm. Like, I really like all the characters here. I thought I was going to be annoyed by uh, <laughs> Gary Busey's brother. <laughs> what are you talking? Jake Busey is amazing. Yeah, I thought I was going to be annoyed by Jake Busey because uh, he's a little extra at first. What was his name Ace? Mm. And um. I really ended up liking him. There's that moment where he gets, where Rico gets broken up with mm-hmm. and you suddenly feel the camaraderie and the real human element of his team and squad around him Yeah, because they don't bust his balls about it. They instead are like, yeah, man, I'm sorry. Like they feel bad for him. I think him and Dizzy are really the biggest surprises for me. Uh, she is such an awesome character. And I, I was so disappointed when they killed her off, but I, I liked that they did it because it felt like anybody could go. Mm-hmm. Um, even, Rico is it's so weird. Rico feels surprisingly disposable. Oh yeah, in oh, the yeah. film. Um, I mean, he—I would say he's the hero, but the way he just follows—it's like I feel like you could go. <laughs> Well, they kind of set right. that up in the beginning. You make it think like you, they make you think that he's oh, going right. to die. 
you know? So the whole time you're sitting there and being like, okay, when is this going to happen? How does this play out? And then you realize now he just gets stabbed in the leg. They put him in a back to tank and he's fine. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, they do give that impression. Like he's really nothing special. And mm. if I remember right, that was kind of the point of his casting was to not get like big, attractive, well acted, well, more attractive, but not well acted people to play these roles that kind of like diffuse or I guess the subvert expectations. Um, I don't like the characters personally, but I think to me, that's the point. Like I like them as like the way it's written, but I don't like them. Like these are not people except maybe ace. Like, these are not. Do you not people. like Dizzy either? No, I'm just kind of like, man. Like, I get you like Rico, but like, you need to not hone in on someone if they're dating. <laughs> like, come on, read the room, kind of thing. It's just that. Always... Hey, maybe she knew. She knew something we didn't because hey, she was the one for Rico. Okay. I mean, I... not not this other hussy. What's this? Oh, 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 I don't like her. No. You know, and at the end of the day. Even if you believe that, you just still got to respect the boundaries, right? That's that's my uh, thing. True. Um, but yeah, I and especially uh, Jenkins, he's such a annoying character, especially when you realize mm-hmm. that like just how manipulative he is. But they, but again, it's not because he's a bad character. I think the characterization is fine. I just personally do not like the character. <laughs> no, I, I think that's fine. I, I, I do think the film maybe falters a little bit with its trio. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, they're they're walking at the end after they capture the brain bug, like they're three best friends. But it's like, you know, you're like the three friends that survived. <laughs> yeah. And you broke up with Johnny and Jenkins risked Rico's life just to find the brain bug and it's like (laughs) y'all aren't you're not really friends and one of you is potentially evil (laughs) yeah and then the other one is just uncaring which is Mm -hmm. uh carbon i think just a very i think maybe a more selfish character than i expected it oh i know yeah um very uh, but i like that i like mm-hmm. that these characters have problems mm-hmm. and none of none of them are clean at all which i really appreciate except zim i like zim zim is that the sergeant yeah clancy brown <laughs> uh, oh yeah sergeant zim who ends up being private zim at the end of the film oh man <laughs> which what i do love oh, that yeah what a twist i love it because <laughs> he just disappears from the movie and he shows up and he's the one that caught the bug. <laughs> well, because they even make that comment. It's like, you're only going to see uh, action if you go down to private. And he does. He goes down to private. Yeah. It makes you respect him quite a bit because yeah. he, was, he, was he wasn't on the front line anymore. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> now, David, I do want to know, what are you down on here? Because it's not all roses. Yeah. So... You know, I'm I'm gonna pull it underwater here. Obviously, the, I was gonna say I, I was wait I was waiting for the for your disturbing talk. Let's yeah, no, the I just <laughs> man, I don't I, I don't want nudity in my movies, right? But at least this time around, I knew where to fast forward. It's fine. It's whatever. Again, I think if I, I struggle with where the movie tries to go, 
And I, I will admit part of that is me. I know that. But I do really like, as much as I don't need a movie to take a stance and I prefer when movies don't necessarily do that, it really does sometimes feel like the, the messaging is a bit mixed and that could be studio interference. There could be a handful of things, right? Um, knowing Verhoeven, like I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, so between that and I just, the, you're, what you're saying, the friendship element, there's a lot of those moments where it's like, this doesn't feel earned, but maybe again, that is it where it's like, they're trying to, I mean, you think about, you know, people in the military, they become buddy, buddy. And then whenever they leave, like they lose touch, like they're not as close as they thought they were, but it's just that moment of like being in the trenches together. Um, mm. But I don't know, like that friendship, we don't get enough time with the three of them. Like you mentioned to really feel like that endings earned, but again, that might be the point and I'm going to own up to that, but I just would have liked to laugh more. You know, like it really Ooh. does feel like it wants to be a satire. Maybe it's not, but it feels like it, especially with all the propaganda stuff. But I just, I don't laugh and, I'm, and I want to, you know? Mm. Yeah. With the expectation of it being a satire, I want to laugh. Now, if I'm looking at it as a commentary, I'm not as disappointed by the the lack of comedy. I'm just more disappointed by the pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really my biggest problem with, with the... The film. We, I, so I was interested. I, I was like, how long are we going to be at training camp yeah. before we actually like, hit the ground running? Because I, I enjoyed all the training camp stuff. But I was like, well, it feels like I've been here for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Let's see how far. I guess we have 30 minutes left in the movie. It had only been an hour. And I was like, oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then we have, in the next hour, I think three different bug battles. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a lot. Uh, I don't know what I would have cut necessarily, maybe trimmed down one of the bug battles, but I I don't know. I'm not sure because there's elements of them that feel necessary. Yeah. Uh, but like, I don't know. There's a pacing problem here. We're, we're going back and forth a little too much. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, between camp and the fights and instead of keeping that tension there uh it kind of it doesn't necessarily lose it but i don't know revisiting the same bug three times in an hour and that pretty much having a very similar battle each mm-hmm. time maybe a little exhausting uh there, there's definitely something they could have done to make this flow better and then like i said the ending I like what it represents mm-hmm. and that the battle's not quite over, but it just ends. I mean, really like I, I felt like it was about to end, but then I wasn't ready for when the credit actually came. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just, it's just odd. Uh, there, regarding like the, the nudity and stuff, what I thought was interesting about, I guess the society that it had created was mm-hmm. it had created a society not about not really based on sex because you see them uh, on the sports teams 
yeah. uh, mixed sex sports teams. In in the shower scene, there is zero sexuality present. Oh, in the scene, absolutely. absolutely, which is interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. But what what I like is it's it's created a society not about sex, but a society about citizens and non citizens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's all that matters to anybody now, which is. A little terrifying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, there's so much Nazi iconography. The The, the weird thing about the all the all of that, all that iconography is that I don't necessarily feel like even the military is bad guys, though. I know. Like, yes, they dress like bad guys. There are some bad, questionable things going on. But I don't feel like you're bad. Which is another layer, I guess, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a pro or a con. For me, it feels like a pro. But yeah. then I also am like, why are we doing Nazi imagery and maybe not being the worst? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? it, but maybe that's it, right? Maybe it is trying to like get you to consider like what you're comfortable with. Um, and this, like, this movie really feels like it's probably... I'm going to have different opinions on it every single time I watch it because of maybe where I'm at in life. Like I said, like watching it in the context of the past week and a half, much different than when I watched it a month and a half ago, you know? So yeah, I think that, I think that's a good point of just like it. They're, I, I think that it is like this forced, like wanting you to wrestle with how it makes you feel. And and the fact that you've rewatched it so many times says something about it too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not a ha ha movie, but like I do genuinely enjoy watching it, and that's not something I can say about a lot of movies these days. I typically it's a one and done kind of thing. What's uh, Jasper's favorite scene? Uh, definitely the lava bug part. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> oh man. Um, anything else, David, before we go on to our next segment? Uh, no, I think, I mean, I really think we covered everything. David, you're joining me for Emmy Plus this week. Yeah. Uh, you know, I haven't really set things up, but that's because our conversations pretty much go wherever they choose to go. And I think that'll be a good thing. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, Emmy Plus is probably tired of, uh, Marvel talk, but (laughs) I know it's going to happen. Yeah. It's got to happen. A little bit. It's mandatory. And then uh, we'll probably get into some of the stuff in the mo- in, in this movie a little bit more. And who knows what else? Whatever you've seen recently. What's a movie you've seen recently? The Creator. Ooh, I want to hear your thoughts. Don't spoiler free thoughts because I haven't seen it. I still oh, want to see it. Okay, we can talk about something else uh, a little bit too. Wanna, yeah, I'll, but yeah, we'll I, I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Okay. All right, David. That brings us to our staple awards. Who's your compelling character? Uh, Michael Ironside's character, uh, rock check or whatever, rock check, you know, like it it was so interesting seeing him as the teacher and the Lieutenant or Sergeant, whatever he is, um, captain, whatever. Uh, yeah, it's just Michael Ironside just in general is a great actor and it's a very, like when you get someone like that. I'm not saying he's not a prominent character, but like he has that mentor role. It's very, Mm. uh, now that I've watched the movie, I'm like, I don't know who else you would put in that role. Like, it's just, it's perfect. And I can't, 
I've watched a lot of movies in my life and there's not a lot of roles where I'm like, you can't replace that with someone else. Like that legitimately is like, no, you just, you couldn't put anyone else in there. Yeah. We already even talked about him, but he is such a good character and interesting mm-hmm. character in here. Uh, I like that. He has Rico shoot him when he loses his legs, yeah. but he's not necessarily dying. <laughs> Like they totally could have carried him to the I know. <laughs> to the the thing, but he's like, "Listen, I lost my arm, I lost my legs, I'm done, I'm tapped out." <laughs> and you know, because he says you don't quit or you die, right? Well, that's him quitting. He's dying. Yep, that's right, that's right. But I do appreciate that Rico does does the uh, does the job mm-hmm. instead of like leaving him to his fate or whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, for me, I had. Uh, Sergeant Zim, mm-hmm. and it goes back to what we were talking about. First off, Clancy Brown's great in anything oh, yeah. that he does. Oh yeah, one of the most memorable voices I think in film, right up there with Keith da- Keith David. Mm-hmm. Um, and that moment when you realize that he's actually gone back to the fight, very cool, very cool moment. So I, I gotta give him his props. It, not not easy to to. Join the fight when you get that cozy desk job. No. Uh, what about your most memorable line award, David? Make it twenty minutes. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, again, that, just the sincerity of how, like, first of all, that would never happen ever. Like, let's just be completely honest. But the way he says it, says it, it's so sincere. Where I'm like, all right, like I could see it happening, and that's where I'm like. Okay, I just again his character and his acting like uh, I I almost chose him for that. Can't believe that acting award, but I had something else. So, mm, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good one. Um, mine is, come on, you apes, you want to live forever? <laughs> and that's uh, that's one of those lines that Rico steals from uh, Gene. Mm-hmm. Uh. Well, how do you say his last name? Raszak, Raszak, Rack check, <laughs> Rack check. Yeah, um, it's one of those lines that he steals from him, and it's like, what a terrible line! I know, <laughs> like, I know. Like, like this is your death charge. You want to live forever? <laughs> yeah. Uh, hurry up and die. More meat for the grinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, um. All right, so for can't believe that acting award, I. I'm, I guess I'll go ahead and go first. I've got Dina Meyer as Dizzy Flores. Man, she, she was pretty jacked in this role. I bought her like military prowess in this. Um, and not only that, I, I I actually really liked her character. I you know mm-hmm. definitely more than Carmen. And I bought I bought her entire role, her weird infatuation with Rico, her stalky stalking nature. But then also she was able to convey like a not like at first it's creepy, but then as the film goes on, it just it feels less than that. Like if it, it feels more genuine in a weird way. And so I, I was sad to see her go uh, when she did. You know, it's interesting you, you brought this up about Dizzy, where you actually her acting was convincing for who she was and what she was doing. Like, mm-hmm. that's something there's a film critic that talks about. Like, you know, you have this 70-pound person, and they're expected to beat up this 300-pound person. Like, 
Marvel's horrible at this. And it's like, okay, no, like, no, you just, it it doesn't work like that. You know, but you look at Disney Mm. and you're like, no, like she could totally kick my butt. I know. (laughs) You know, like, definitely. She's not like, you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. She's just, it's, it's convincing. And that, that to me speaks volumes of how they casted this film. Like they really did get the right people for these roles. They really did. Like the casting director deserves deserves a medal of honor <laughs> for, for the job here because they really did. They knocked it out of the park with all of these roles, mm-hmm. it, which is weird because, like you said earlier, these are like this isn't the A team. No, you know? no, and no, no, no. Not to not to di- diss for lack of a better word. <laughs> not to diss any of these actors or actresses, but. I mean, yeah, they were all perfectly, perfectly cast. Yeah. Um, what? Who? Did you say you can't believe that acting no, award? Not yet. Uh, Clancy Brown. Um, so, yeah. you, people were probably like, "Oh, he's over the top, Mr. Krabs, whatever." But like the part where Rico's about to get whipped, and he hands him the little thing to bite on. He's like, "You know, you're gonna want this. Trust me." The way oh. he says that, it speaks volumes of who Zim is, where he's come from. And that right there, I was like, that is acting. Mm. That is a well-crafted scene. Like you don't need, you don't need a prequel movie to explain who Zim is. That right there explains everything. So yeah, it was great. hundred percent. That's a good, that's a good pull, David. That I remember that, that scene was like, I was like, ah, like, there's layers. He's like an onion. Yeah. Oh, I guarantee he takes his uniform off. He's probably got 30 lashes, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool scene. Um, What about the, oh, that's a good shot award, David? Uh, all the dead Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so I'll be honest. I, I wasn't <laughs> like, this movie is not wowing me in the cinematography. Um, but I was thinking mm-hmm. about it as an ex Mormon. I was like, that's, that's kind of low hanging fruit. Uh, but <laughs> the, I, I will say in a somewhat sick sense, like the movie does a really good job conveying like how disgusting war actually is. And mm-hmm. they don't shy from that. So I look at that. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's absolutely disgusting. And that was the point, you know, it's not like, yeah, I actually thought it was a pretty well shot scene, but also Mormons. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, you're right. It doesn't, it does not bat an eye at the gore, and it's not really for fun. No. Uh, when they show these moments, like everybody's disgusted. You're, you need to be disgusted. Like, <laughs> well, it doesn't feel like Mortal Kombat gore, right? Where that's just like so silly and out there where you're like, okay, whatever. Like this legitimately mm-hmm. like felt like images I've seen over the past few weeks where I'm like, nope. Yeah. That, that actually looks like a dead body. That's great. Yeah. 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 Shockingly good uh, effects on that front for sure. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe how good they looked. Oh, no. Still. Um, still. And, and, that, and that applies to the entire film, mm-hmm. right? The, if we have we not talked about how amazing the effects are for a movie from 1997. I know that somehow looks better than a lot of the movies that have come out over the last two to three years. Yeah, and how I, is that possible? How do none of these bugs look absolutely terrible? 
who actually did the effects? That's what kind of makes me wonder. Um, a wizard, yeah. Merlin. <laughs> um, and I guess that'll go into my oh, that's a good shot award. Oh, ILM. Uh, okay, they did some of them. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Sorry. So, <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Yeah, I mean, that, that explains a lot. You know, I guess my Oh, That's a Good Shot award, I was going to give it to the Horde mm-hmm. uh, during the scene where they're all coming down. Like, um, uh, Wow, God, what's his name? Gene what? Si- Rack check. Say it. <laughs> Rack check. <laughs> when he looks over and he just sees the massive Horde and there's like no hope. And he doesn't quite convey that face, like the face of like no hope, but it's like, oh man, we got a bad fight in front of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that was going to be my, oh, that's a good shot. But actually, it's one of the, really any of the space shots mm-hmm. are really good of just the ships floating. Those models look so good. Yeah, they're fun. I was like, man, like oh, practical effects really. Mm. I know. They I hit know. different. Yeah. They hit different. So I'll get. I'll give it to any spaceship scene, even when they get <laughs> destroyed. I was surprised by how good they look, mm-hmm. getting blown up and stuff. And there's debris coming out of them, people flying out of it. I'm like, this looks great. Yeah. Really, the worst looking scene is when um, Carmen gets on the shuttle to leave oh. the <laughs> with the sign up, and it goes away. It looks so bad. <laughs> Yeah, that was really bad. It was so bad. I'm like, I saw that. I was like, oh, yeah, the effects are going to be pretty bad in this. And then nothing else looks as bad as that. No. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, David. I guess I'll go first for this one for the unique award. Mm -hmm. Um, Mine's the But How Award. How did these bugs launch an asteroid through space? I don't believe that they did. (laughs) I don't see anything that shows that they could. The closest they get are these little butt bombs they shoot into into the atmosphere. I mean, asteroids like just outside of it. So I'm like, how can't melt steam beams? (laughs) 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 Jesus! All right, David. What's your unique award? I've been waiting the whole show to say that. All right. Uh, oh, man. Uh, I just said the most <clears throat> unbelievable decision award, which was pouring alcohol on a tattoo as someone's being tattooed. Like, this, no, oh. one, no one would do this. Total. No. No. I can see a frat pro doing this. I know. But, it, yeah, it was just it bothered me to no end. I'm like, ugh. <sighs> that, that would stink so bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, so I guess that brings us to our uh, final thoughts and tiered rating. David, I want to hear from you first, man. Yeah. This is a movie you've been you've been watching a lot of lately. So what are your final thoughts? Uh, I don't know how you guys are doing tiers necessarily these days. But I'd give it a three and a half. It, um, it's, uh, so well, the tiers right now okay. are Gabra, which okay. means you really wouldn't recommend it to anybody. It's mm-hmm. pretty bad. Uh, Gamera, which mm-hmm. means it, it's varying degrees of Gamera. You can do low, high, whatever you want in there. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the highest tier is Godzilla. Okay, so tier, right? same. Yeah. So I'd give it a high Gamera, right? I'd give it like Gamera the Brave, which I still think is higher Gamera, but like not quite Heisei Gamera. 
um, you know, hate say trilogy, but yeah. So that I'd, I'd say like what uh, seven out of ten. That's how you'd always do it, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yes. I, I, I do enjoy it. It's a movie that I think now that I've watched it a few times, like I again, I wouldn't recommend it to everybody, but I think there's a lot to chew on, which is not necessarily the case with most movies coming out these days. Um, we'll talk about that in NVM Plus. But I I do think this isn't a movie that if they tried to make it again, it would work. Like this really, like, mm. I want to say it's lightning in a bottle, except they didn't necessarily catch it in the bottle the first time. It was kind of retroactively they coerced the lightning into the bottle. Um I don't think it would work again. I don't. Um, it was a very specific culture and period of time that birthed this movie. And instead of someone trying to remake this, like just make your own dang original movie. Like, granted, this was an adaptation of a novella, but that's the point, right? It hadn't been updated or uh, adapted at that point. So it's like instead of adapting a movie that people like or a book that people like, just find something someone hasn't touched. That you know, mm. God forbid that ever happens. So, <laughs> yeah, it's why create a unique universe? I know, I know. But what about you? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think this is probably a high gamma tier for me. the The pacing is really the biggest detractor. Mm-hmm. That and that this is a <laughs> a self proclaimed satire with no comedy element really at all. Yeah. <laughs> um. I. Uh, those are really the two biggest detractors. Everything else I really like. I think these are fleshed out characters. Some you like, some you don't. Uh, there's some surprising elements to them as well. And then really just all the different messages and all the different commentaries within the film. I'm pretty impressed by A, the quantity, and also B, the quality. Yeah, some of the Nazi imagery doesn't quite make sense. In my mind, because I don't picture the humans as outright bad guys. But I think, like you said, it does at the very least make you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you like, why is he wearing that? And then you kind of maybe it inspires a viewer to think a little bit more on why that would be present in the film. Yeah. And then you can uncover the layers for yourself. I think there is something to that. So yeah, hi Gamera. I, I, this is this is a movie that I do believe has aged very well, and may age even more uh, better as time goes on. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. It's it may age more. It may not age. <laughs> it may. It may age better as time goes on. <laughs> Leave me alone. Oh. <laughs> uh. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, th- some things are timeless, David, okay? Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, <clears throat> there's not really much of a rhyme time, David, because I don't know what's coming next week. Actually, wait. That's not true at all. Eric messaged me. Oh, are you recording with Eric next week? I am. What? Movie is next. <laughs> I just texted him. What movie is next? (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I made it this far without coughing. That's bad. (coughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't have a movie. I will say I will say this teaser. Okay. Um, he did send me a list mm-hmm. of the twenty five best monster movies of all time, Ooh. asking if we should cover this. And this this is a list created by IGN. Okay. Now the uh, the list is oh whoa. They put it up a couple days ago. I was going to say yeah. it's dated. No, I, I think I saw that article too. Um, so we luckily we've covered a good amount of them in here. Not a good amount, but some. A decent amount, yeah. The more I'm looking through this list, the more I'm... Yeah. yeah. Um, so so we, we'll probably be picking something from this list that we haven't done before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've done a lot in here. It's like getting further into this list. Um, but maybe something fitting for Halloween, like, I mean, my, one of my favorite movies of all time, The Thing, mm-hmm. actually probably maybe the favorite movie of all time. Um, we might, we might be doing The Thing. If not, we'll do The Thing eventually. Have you, have you not done <laughs> The Thing on the show yet? No, we haven't. What? No way. I know. Speaking I know, of it's Keith one of my David, favorite movies. Yeah. I know, right? And it's got one of the well, it's got one of the best endings I think of all time. It has one of the best film soundtracks of all time. It is oh. so good, so good. Maybe all right. Maybe I'll make him watch the thing. Don't bank on it, listener. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but maybe we'll do the thing. Maybe we'll do something more horror related in terms of October, like The Fly, mm-hmm. or not Candyman. The first one's pretty good though. Um, just tell him to do the thing. But, but yeah, do 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 the thing or Bram Stoker's <laughs> Dracula. I've always wanted to see uh, Gary Oldman as a weird-looking vampire. So, so like every ooh. day. Yeah, right. his name's literally Old Man. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. He's been telling us he's a vampire this whole time. <laughs> All right, all right. So, uh, I guess with that, David, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having uh, me. Of course, and and as always, listener, thanks for listening to Monsters vs. Men. You can leave us feedback on iTunes or your uh, podcast. Just do it on iTunes, or you can send us a, <laughs> an email at mvmpod at gmail dot com, and we'll read your comments on the show and you can follow us and message us on twitter and instagram at mvmpod become a bargain basement at patreon.com slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus content including special reviews interviews and host chats and if you can't join at this time a review or a share always helps monsters vs men is produced by alex Cornette. executive producers are kevin alexander faye basier john freeman and christopher clavero Special thanks to our wives, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which forms Cell Block B, Louie Loops, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. <laughs> Until next time, don't... Hand your girlfriend bug guts. And try to, to stay, stay alive. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Stalk your boyfriend into an army encampment.
あの